Matthew chapter 24. This is lesson number three. Lengthy chapter, but also a lot contained within it. And this is the chapter where uh, Jesus is asked by his disciples, when, when is the temple going to be destroyed and all of that? We talked about that last week. And then Jesus is going to give them a warning and talk about uh, a little bit more about the abomination of desolation. We'll finish out the chapter, verses 16 through 35. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 24, verse 16. Verses 16 through 20. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So they're given instructions here to flee to the mountains. And uh, that is one of your questions. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Some more instruction about uh, when the abomination of desolation occurs and, and things begin to happen from a judgment standpoint. So we're told to flee to the mountains, told not to go down to take anything out of their house if they're on the housetop and those who are in the field not to go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. So these are warnings for the Israelites because they're the ones who are in Judea. The church will be gone, so we're not really a, a factor at this time. And they'll have been raptured, caught up to meet Jesus in the air. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. We're going to continue on with verses 21 through 28. And this talks about after the abomination of desolation and the great tribulation. Last week we talked about that there was tribulation and then uh, that's considered the first three and a half years. The second half is considered great, the great tribulation. And again, that word is not a good word. It doesn't mean great as in, yeah, it means great as in devastating. The great tribulation will occur after the abomination of desolation. So let's read verses 21 through 28. For then there will be great tribulation. So that's important to understand. There's already been tribulation, but great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. So there's a description of the type of great tribulation. Number one, it's great. Number two, it's not ever been that bad and never will be that bad. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, notice that there is a difference for those who will be saved during this time. Those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. So those false teachers, false prophets, false Christ are going to have some signs and wonders to back up they're saying that they'll still be false. 
And the purpose for that is to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out or look. He is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so we see a description of how the Son of Man is going to come back. It's going to be like lightning striking from the east to the west. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So this is a great tribulation. A tribulation like we have not ever seen before uh, and never will see again. It's a time in history whenever God's judgment is going to be poured out uh, upon the world. And we have seen some terrible wars, amen, in our time. Uh, some plagues, some famines, even genocide in our day. Uh, but this is going to be a time that even is even worse than that. Uh, it'll be a time when God pours out his wrath on the world for rejecting him, specifically for rejecting uh, Jesus. So that's a time of great tribulation. During this time frame, there's going to be false teachers, false prophets, false Christs, people who are uh, saying that they are Christ, and they're going to be there to deceive the world, to deceive the people who are uh, left over, to attempt, if possible, even to deceive those who uh, have been saved during that time and are living for the Lord. This is important. I I say this, this passage is important. We're going to be gone, but there will be people here that will be reading Scripture, hopefully, and see this and understand uh, what is going on. The rapture may come as a surprise, and uh, we'll be caught up, and it'll happen quickly. This is saying that it's not going to be a secret or private when the coming, when the Lord comes back to the earth to set up his kingdom to reign. Is saying that they're going to see it. It's like uh, lightning that flashes from uh, one side uh, of the uh, world to the other. That'll be known by others. Charles Spurgeon says, Christ's coming will be sudden. It'll be startling, universally visible, and terrifying to the ungodly. And when he comes, by the way, when he comes to set up his kingdom, who's coming with him? We are the saints, right? So um, there's a Greek word, and this is not in your questions, I don't think, uh, that describes the, the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of Jesus, and that is the word parousia. It simply means coming, uh, and it is used specifically like when a high-ranking official is going to come, like for a, a state visit or uh, something of that nature. It's also used for divine visitations. So there is a parousia, uh, a coming of an important, how many knows he's important, amen? He's important, a high ranking. Uh, he's the highest ranking. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he's coming back. So uh, that is the Greek word parousia. Now that, that phrase wherever the carcass is 
there the eagles will be gathered. I'd be interested to see if you have a commentary, what your commentary is saying there, because mine's saying that this is a very difficult statement. Basically, it's a figure of speech, and it is just speaking about that when judgment comes, it's going to come real quickly. I don't know if anybody has any, anything else there that uh, speaks about that particular phrase, but uh, if you do, it would be interesting to see uh, what that says. When the Lord decides to pour out his judgment and his wrath, he's not going to hold back. It's going to happen quickly. The commentary I've read there says when the judgment is ripe, it will surely come. And that kind of reminds me of the statement where Jesus is with his disciples. And he says, why do you say there's just there's four months until the harvest? Look around. It's already ripe. It's white in the harvest. Uh, so it's interesting turn of phrase here that the judgment is also ripe whenever it comes time. Uh, the Lord will pour out his judgment upon the world. Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. After the abomination of desolation, then there'll be a time of, of great tribulation, and then the return of Jesus. It says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and notice these are uh, signs in the sky. There are cosmic disturbances that happen. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. Imagine that. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So a lot of cosmic disturbance uh, that occurs after the great tribulation and just as the Lord is, is returning. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming. How is he coming? On the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. You know, he came as a baby. The Gospels describe his meekness and his humbleness and his uh, going to the cross and dying for us. Uh, but here we see that when he comes back, he's not coming in that fashion. He's coming in his power and his glory, right? Uh, to set up a reign uh, on the earth. So the Son of Man's coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. How many ever just looked up in the sky when you're driving before and saw something, you know, in the clouds and uh, maybe the sun in behind the clouds and, and just thought, man, the Lord could step out on those clouds and just, you know, return. Uh, of course, he hasn't come for us, for us yet in the rapture, but have you ever done that before? I know that I have uh, as we look at that. And sometimes the heavens uh, just have a, do a great job of declaring his glory, you know. Uh, good to see that. And he will send his angels with a, sound, a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, that means the four corners of the world, uh, from one, one end of heaven to the other. So we see those cosmic disturbances that will precede the glorious return of Christ. You can see 
uh, examples of that in Joel chapter 2, verse 10. So this is not the only place that we see these signs. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 14 also describes something similar to that. And so does Isaiah 34, 4. Why do I say that? Because scripture always interprets scripture, right? Uh, and if you see something somewhere, uh, you're to look and see if you can find it in another another text. Back it up, you know, uh, to make sure that we're understanding it right. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. What do you think that sign will be? Because it doesn't tell us. It's a sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Could be a number of things. Some commentaries I read said it might be a cross in the middle of the, of the sky there. Some said various things. Truth is, we, we don't know. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a crown. It says this, the sign of him will appear in the heaven. Uh, difficult to say exactly what that will be, but uh, obviously it is a sign that people will understand and there'll be some, as she said, uh, some mourning that will go on, uh, some sorrow for those who don't know the Lord. I don't think those who do know the Lord will be sorrowful, right? But they'll be they'll be ready for Him. Matthew twenty four verses thirty two through thirty five. Now learn this parable. Jesus talks about all of these things that are going to happen, and then He breaks out a parable. What is a, what's the purpose of a parable? It's a way to tell a story that gives what? Gives a, a spiritual, there's a spiritual context, a meaning uh, to that parable. Uh, so it's a natural story, like you could have it in the natural here on the earth, but yet it has a spiritual meaning to it. The parable, Jesus tells those to help those who are studiers of the word to understand. When Jesus was here on the earth in his earthly ministry, he would tell parables and not everybody understood them. Matter of fact, sometimes even his own disciples didn't, right? Uh, and so, but he would go off with them and he would explain to them if they asked the question they didn't understand. So the purpose of a parable is to give a spiritual meaning with a natural setting, a natural story, but I believe it also requires us to think about it, right? To kind of dig in uh, and get that spiritual uh, context there to understand it. So it says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. All kinds of fig trees in Israel. So this is a natural, normal thing that they will see. Matter of fact, uh, there are multiple in the Gospels, multiple stories with the fig tree as an example in it. Uh, one where Jesus curses the fig tree uh, is an example. When its branch has already become tender and it puts forth, forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So the fig tree doesn't bloom in the wintertime, right? doesn't get leaves on it in the wintertime. It is when it's summer. Right before it's going to bear fruit. 
we see that. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. See those doors over there? It's right out, it's right behind me. Right? That's what he's saying. I need to get those doors and take them home. But I don't know. I keep I keep liking them there. I think we're in the year of 2024, the year of the door. Uh, so he says, when you see all these things, notice it's not uh, the abomination of desolation is a key sign of when the great tribulation will happen. But Jesus is saying, when you look at all of these things together, know that it's right on the doorstep, right? It's right there. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Can we put ourselves in the disciples' place real quickly? So Jesus is telling this to his disciples, and he says, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. What do you think they might have thought? That it was their generation, right? That they were going to see the return of the Lord in this fashion at the end of the age. But what really do we, what can it mean? What does it really mean is the generation that sees all of these things, that generation won't pass away uh, until his words come to pass, right? It says, uh, by no means will pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So his word is everlasting, right? His word is uh, uh, knows no bounds. It is not limited by time. Why? Because he isn't limited by time, right? So learn this parable. So the fig tree has a regular pattern that it goes through every year. It will, uh, and, and it comes to its fullness when it's close to summer and all the leaves are on it and it has fruit. You remember when, the, when Jesus curses the fig tree? Because he goes to find some fruit on it, but it doesn't have any. It had leaves, but it didn't have any fruit. So there was an inconsistency there, right? There was there was a break in the pattern. Why did he why did he do that? Notice what it's before he goes to the temple and upsets the apple cart there and turns over the tables and runs the, the those who are selling uh, things at the temple. It is a description of a religious system that had no fruit. That's what it's talking about. Is the fig tree is a parable in itself. And that's why Jesus cursed it. Because religion with no fruit is no good. Right? Uh, so that's, that's why you, you see that happen. And all these things you'll know that it's in the near of the door. Great tribulation is followed by signs in heavens and his return uh, to the earth will follow shortly after that. So in Daniel chapter 12, remember we talked about this last week, the end will come 1290 days 
after the abomination of desolation. So uh, you can literally time it. Those who are here on earth, we're not going to be here. But those who are, are, they can literally time the second coming of the Lord. Why does Jesus give them specifics about when it's going to happen? Why would you think? Here you see mercy, right? But you also see hope. Because those who have made it right and are here on the earth struggling, they know there's coming an end to all this tribulation, right? Uh, so God's always a God of mercy and a God uh, of, of uh, compassion, reaching out, giving people chance after chance after chance. Uh, and so uh, we see that uh, you could, they, they could time his coming during the tribulation, but not so with the rapture. Here's the timeline for the end time events that Jesus spells out in this chapter. There's going to be a rise in catastrophes and persecutions, but those in themselves are not the sign of the end. There'll be a pivotal sign, the abomination of desolation that happens right in the middle of the tribulation. And then when the abomination of desolation appears, there's going to be warnings to Israel to flee. Before we, we read that, flee to the mountains. Don't uh, come down off the roof and try to take care of things. Uh, if you're in the desert or if you're in, in wherever it says, don't, don't come back to your house, right? Uh, so, uh, and then on the heels of the abomination of desolation comes great tribulation, cosmic disturbances, uh, and then the final thing uh, that will wrap it all up is Jesus will return to the earth in glory and power. Okay? So that's the timeline that Jesus uh, is giving uh, for us. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. It's not going to take a thousand years when we see, when th these things begin to occur, there's a set timeline, right? Now, it's important to understand this because in some prophetic things in the Bible, it'll say a day. But we don't know if that day means a day, 24 hours, or if it means a thousand years. You know, a day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. Uh, so, some prophetic things we don't, you can't really put a timetable on, but this one you can. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not going to take a thousand years. They're going to happen in succession, and then the end will come. All right, let's go through the questions. Question number one, according to verse 16, what are those in Judea supposed to do when the abomination desolation appears. According to verse 16, lead to the mountains. According to verse 18, what are those who are in the field warned against? Don't go back and get your clothes. Stay in what you're, you're in. It's going to happen quickly. It's going to get bad. It's going to get ugly, right? According to verse 21, describe the type of tribulation that will come. Now, you could have many answers here. Let me hear what you have. Great. 
as no man's ever seen before, never been that bad, never will be, right? Verse 22, according to verse 22, why are the days of the great tribulation shortened? For the elect's sake. It's the mercy of God, right? The elect's sake are the ones who have given their life to the Lord during this time frame. In that time frame. Yeah, not us. No. If the church is gone, it's, it's not talking about us. Uh, so it's talking about primarily, I believe, those who, because God's now dealing with the Jews. Remember he had the age where he dealt with the church. Now he's dealing with the Jews again. Because the Jews rejected him, he turned to the Gentile. Now he's coming back to the Jew, right? To give one more opportunity. And so it's those particular ones who've given their life to the Lord during the tribulation that are the elect's sake. Question five, according to verse 24, how will the false prophets try to deceive the elect? Great signs and wonders. You know the devil does have power, right? So I can assure you that God's power is greater. Amen? The devil does. He tries to imitate God's plan and God's uh, abilities, but he'll he'll fall short. According to verse 27, question 6, how does Jesus describe the coming of the Son of Man? It's lightning. East and the west. It's a flash, right? And he's coming back. According to verse 29, Describe the cosmic disturbances. That just means the things that are in the sky, right? The atmosphere, the, the, the solar system that will happen immediately following this tribulation. So a couple different, uh, three different things. Sun darkened. And stars will fall. Right, exactly. Question 8, verse 30. Describe the coming of the Son of Man, according to verse 30. In the clouds with power 